It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. Okay, welcome back everyone to the Kriya Yoga podcast. I'm here with Dr. Stella Watke today of the Watke Infinite Potential Institute. Um, Dr. Stella Watke is a Kriya Yoga teacher and student of Roy Eugene Davis. She's a neuroscientist and a neurotherapist with a PhD in psychology, and she is engaged in sound vibration therapy, which is going to be um, the general theme of our talk today. So thank you for being with us today, Stella. I really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's wonderful. wonderful to see you. And, you know, we've had, um, we've had Marty, uh, your husband, on the podcast earlier talking about um, neuro, neurotherapy, neuroscience, and how it relates to our meditation practice. So all of you who are interested in that, you know, go back to our previous episode with Marty. Um, but before we get into the sound healing and the sound vibration therapy, um, I'm curious about you and your path to Kriya Yoga. How did you come to Kriya Yoga? Yeah, like um, I believe many, um, I started with the autobiography of a yogi. And I was interested in, you know, different religions and spirituality. Um, it's, you know, as a student, like during my school time. And uh, it was actually my father who gave me the autobiography of a yogi when I was 17. And I read it through, have read it many times since then. And uh, I was particularly interested in knowing what is Kriya Yoga and finding a group. It took me a little bit, a uh, little bit, um, to finally connect with Harald Marlis Reiske in Passau, and I also did their whole um, Kriya Yoga Academy. So they have a wonderful academy where they teach yoga, meditation, and um, um, teach people to become teachers. <laughs> And um, early on, uh, I, of course, started also reading um, Roy's books and um, made my way to uh, Lake Mont and uh, spent uh, as much time there as possible with private retreats and, you know, deepening the spiritual practice. And as you know, it's a most wonderful place to go to, to do that. Yeah. And so you were first introduced to Kriya Yoga through Autobiography of Yogi, but then um, you met Harold and Marlies in, in Germany, correct? Yes, exactly. And okay. through them, of course, you know, I heard, of, you know, I, I uh, got in touch with Roy, I <laughs> think. And I, I went to the Kriya Yoga Congress in uh, San Jose. Mm -hmm. um, so in, that was 2013, that right. Congress. And uh, yeah, just try to spend as much time uh, with Roy and listening to his recordings, reading his books as possible. Yeah. So did you did you meet Roy for the first time in the United States or did he had he come to Germany and you met him there? I met him um, in uh, Lake Mont uh, okay. at CSA. Yes, um, that was the time uh, I think um, I connected with Harald and Malis. Um, 
were you doing any work of how that affects people you know, neurologically? Like, how, how have you approached that? Has it integrated at all? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, since I'm not at the university anymore, I'm not doing scientific research in that case. I mean, I'm researching in a way that I'm searching for more knowledge. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you can do, you know, could use the word that way. And I'm just studying it and meditating on it. And I think, you know, vibration is so fascinating because you have it kind of in the quantum physics and in the in the scientific realm, uh, but also in the spiritual. So you have it in both. And quantum physics say, okay, we are really vibration in nature, right? So... Um, Albert Einstein, he said, uh, we are slowed down sound and light waves. We are walking bundle of frequencies tuned to the cosmos, right? So, and I think it's really important also to kind of understand what that really means. And um, Dr. Uh, Bruce Lipton, he's a biologist, and he explains it in a very and that sweet way, I think, where you can really grasp it. And what he says is, you know, if we are um, physics, physicists, they try to find out what we are made of, right? And they found the atom and they were really fascinated that they found that, yes, we have the smallest particle. And then they found the, the proton and the neutron and the electron and so on and so on. But what they finally found is not really a particle, but more, um, we are not really made of particles, but spinning energy, like mini vortices. So we are really vibrating energy. And those mini tornadoes, you could say, are making our molecules, our cells, our organs, and us and everything, really. So... When you think of, um, you know, creation, um, it's all vibration, you know, creation or the manifestation of this physical realm is really starting with my vibration, right? So now I'm going too far. <laughs> oh, no, keep going. I think it's wonderful. We need to hear about this. If we, if we go back to the tornadoes we are made of, right, you could say, well, you know, it's hard to grasp that we are then, we, when we touch each other, we feel physical. How is that, right? So when you imagine you would go with the car and in front of you would be a really large tornado, you would try to drive through that. It would be like hitting a concrete wall. And this is because of the energy field the tornado produces, right? Right. And, it, and, and so... Our mini tornadoes, our energy field, our spinning energy is also producing an energy field, which then makes us distinguishable of other things around us, right? Mm -hmm. So it makes us feel physical, but it's still an energy field. We are still just energy and we are visible because our energy field reflects the light photons. So that's what makes us visible. Hmm. Interesting. So, and because we are, I'm sorry. You have no, to stop keep going. I, I, I eat this kind of stuff up and I'm sure our listeners will too. Yeah. So um, because we are vibration and we are really sound, you know, we are vibration, we're kind of the same. Um, 
we are so receptible for sound yeah. and and so when we hear music you know uh, when we listen to music deeply we can induce certain moods we can go to a certain emotion it can also elevate us you know it can really because we get in resonate we are resonating with the music and it's the same with resonating uh, when we recite a mantra then whatever that mantra represents right or or means we are going in resonance with that and strengthen that um in us right right, right. yeah well you you my my curiosity about this is you know i'm a musician and i've found that playing music and listening to music has had a just a positive influence on my life in good times but also helped me get through difficult times and when i've thought through our history you know a, a lot of music was sort of born from uh, a culture or a people's need to kind of lift themselves up and feel better and to get through difficult things so i always took it from more of a, a neurological standpoint that that was creating balance within the left and right hemispheres of our brain so i'm really interested to hear how beyond that how how it impacts our bodies and so i guess my question for you is is this do you do you think this experience is is more of a of a of a neurological experience that people are having so once the nervous system has some balance or coherence in it then the body has it too or are you taking it even on a more um like primordial level like atomic level both Okay. Because they're not separate from each other and mm -hmm. each other are influencing. So even if you have on a neurophysiological or physiological for example, there is a paper out which shows that, you know, tuning forks, um I think it's um C, you know, um when you use that for example on trigger points or you just listen to it, it um uh, elevates a relaxation response. And so if you are getting more relaxed you balance the autonomic nervous system you balance your physiological physiology right uh -huh. um on a neurophysiological you know um level I don't know of a lot of research uh, regarding there is one uh, paper out i believe uh which looked at um sound bowls so these tibetan uh, singing bowls and how they affect the brain and they found differences in brain waves there um you know there are also like tuning forks for specific brain waves to support those right. and you you can do that um I don't know how much research there is but I'm sure that in it influences the brain as well the physiology. Yeah. And, and this might be going a little too far beyond what we want to talk about today but I'm just curious if if this has ever popped up. Um you know when I was playing music I would hear people say well instead of tuning your instrument to like A440 do it to like A432 or or something like that is there anything to that or is that just like a, a fad uh yes i know that many many say that that's 432 is more beneficial i didn't go further of how and where that exactly comes from okay um 
I think I knew it, but I forgot it again. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. These are just these are but, things that I've thought about and I've wondered about. So yes, and um, you know, there are different. You like from tuning folks, you can use different frequencies. You know, you can do um, for example, C and G. That's the perfect fifth in classical music. It's also, yeah. you know. You can also say it's uh, part of the Fibonacci uh, sequence. Mm -hmm. So the Fibonacci sequence is this medical, I know what <laughs> you know what that is. It's yes, yes. Yeah. Sequence of, you know, 0, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 11, and so on. So it's always um, adding up, um, for example, 1 and 2 is 3, 2 and 3 is 5, and so on. And it becomes this spiral. Right. And it seems that in nature, a lot of things relate or relate to this uh, sequence, to this relation, which right. also is in C and G. It was also found that in the neurons, so, so in our uh, brain cells, there are uh, structures which actually are made of particles which um, fire in that sequence. Okay. So it's really within us. And we can kind of using these frequencies in sound vibration therapy, in therapy using tuning forks or other instruments, mm -hmm. which sounds it can, you can really use anything. You can use your voice. Mm -hmm. You kind of start resonating with that. It's almost like, um, remembering, a remembering of your system, of your higher self, of the, you know, ideal balance and start resonating with that. Because, um, you know, nature um, has the tendency to go towards harmony. And when we live, we go out of harmony, we got out of balance. And it's the, it's on us to get into balance again, where mantras where meditation comes in where music comes in we can really you know find out what brings us best into balance again and that can be very individual yeah. right it can be from i don't know for someone who does a lot of analytical work like i did at the university with doing research i like to cook cooking was something you know creative or whatever that was a nice balance to that yeah. But on the other hand, I have a friend, she is a fashion designer. And for her, she she was reading a lot, you know, as a balance to that. Right. Um, and on a vibrational level, you know, when we are coming back to the organs or cells, um, they really, they vibrate. They can high vibrate in harmony. So they can be in harmony, but also in disharmony. And I don't know if you're familiar with semantics, so the making it visible. So we, when you uh, and um, when people can look that up, semantics uh -huh. in on YouTube, there are fascinating um, videos of frequencies or of the tones, you know, of a piano which we know. And when you make that visible, it looks like a mantra, a yantra. Yantra right. is a frozen sound, right? Yeah. Or it also looks like this round, you know, these churches, church windows, you know, which kind of looks like like flowers in a way too. Right. And that's really sound, but harmonic. And yeah. When there is disharmony over a longer period of time, that's when this is, when there is disease, when there are symptoms, and the symptoms are mentally, physically, 
you know, so it's the base maybe start on a vibrational level, but then it becomes physical in a way. When we are over a longer period of time in disharmony and not able to go back to balance, to harmony. And this is even, um, um, this, this can, there's a research paper, this can be made uh, visible and you can even measure that. There's a paper, they looked at brain uh, tissue, healthy cells versus cancer cells, and they can distinguish them just by looking at the vibration. Mm, yeah. So, you know, this kind of shows us how important, you know, balance. Balance is such a, you know, everyone talks about balance being in your center, but on a vibration level, it's really, you can take be taken literally, you know, yeah. and how important that is. And then, you know, coming back to your music, you will um, intuitively know what is good for you, what brings you back to this balance to, you know, even to a very quiet point. Sometimes we even are become very still and connect to this still point within us. Yeah. So this is more of a, again, specific question uh, that's just kind of nitpicking a little bit. So you, you talked about going from like C to G because it's a fifth, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, is, is that balance, that harmony just between all fifths or, or is it, is it specifically like C to G? I mean, if I started on D and I went to the fifth and I played in that key or that, that mode, um, would, would that work the same way or is it just C? No, I think it's about it's about this uh, anger between them, right? Okay, right. Which which is also defined in the Fibonacci sequence, right? Um, why it is a lot of C and G? I don't know if C and G has in addition something which you know our bodies and minds are just more uh, accustomed to. Right. Like living on Earth, for example, there's this Schumann resonance, the 7.83 hertz, and supposedly we are tuned to that, right. maybe more so than another frequency because we're living here on Earth. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that, that makes, I mean, just from what I've kind of studied, um, one of the things I, I had been taught was even in regards to the chakras that C is like the first chakra, D is the second chakra, and so on up. And so C resonating is the root chakra with the earth. But then um, also uh, when, I've, when, I, when I've kind of paid attention to astrology and how it kind of ties things together mathematically, the thing which supports life, uh, that which tends to be more indicative of grace, they, they associate with like, the fifth house from the, the ascendant. So there's this kind of fifth pattern going through astrology too, mm -hmm. which I think is kind of fascinating. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, the chakras are, you know, earth, water, fire, um, air, ether, right? Uh -huh. And then you have the Bicha mantras for them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, when you chant through the chakras and use these Bicha mantras, then you kind of balance these uh, qualities within you, right? And um, I think, you know, this balance uh, for, you know, in a sp spiritual sense, you know, if we are in balance or in also on the vibrational level, 
that's kind of where we connect deeper to more subtle levels to our higher cup uh, self and so on. So this balance is really so important. And through mantra practice, we can, you know, for example, just by um, using these beach mantras, we can balance um, balance um, all these um, elements within us and through that go deeper and more subtle. And right. then, um, you know, you can just use OM, you know, as, you know, the first sound, which is all uh, encompassing. Um, or you go more specific when you, you know, like um, uh, Ganesha, the remove of obstacles. So as I understand mantra practice is when you use um, um, the Ganesha mantra, Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha, for example, um, you, you go in resonance with this vibration in the, you know, in uh, the creational field, in, uh, in creation, in, um, in, um, the, cosmic field you know whatever you want to call it the manifested um yeah. part of um of the infinite and then through going in resonance with it you support you strengthen that um energy within you right right and so you will be able to or the obstacles may be removed easier, will be removed easier. So it's it's really, you know, working with deities are specific energies within the cosmic field, within uh, all vibration, and we can support them with us if we need something specific or go more global, right, using, uh, you know, OM, SOHOM, and so on. Right, right, yeah. Um, so, you know, I had mentioned the the C is the root chakra, D and E, and so on. Um, and your, you, I, I feel you've probably dug into this a little more deeply than I have. Have you found any particular notes associated with each chakra that might be different than that, or have you even has that been something that's come up for you in your in your research? Um, not particularly, but. It it what you say is um, in alignment with 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 my thinking that you know also the frequency go higher with higher um, with the higher the chakras right yeah. so the root yeah. is is a lower frequency than the others mm. um, but you know as we know it's also important really to concentrate on all, all chakras that all are balanced and not just go you know. Go only yeah. up and and above, <laughs> right? Yeah. And don't do the the homework first, <laughs> right? Yeah. Start at the ground. Yeah. Yeah. What I would often do is I have a little shruti box, which is like the the drone of a harmonium, and when I would do chanting through the chakras, sometimes I would set it to C. And then I would chant as though I was chanting the first chakra. Then I'd set it to D and, and go all the way up. And mm-hmm. what I found fascinating was, um, let's see, C, D, E, F, G, A. Whenever I would, whenever I would chant Om or or the Gayatri mantra, I decided to get out my tuner to see just naturally what do I, what pitch do I hit when I'm doing the the seventh chakra? And I don't have perfect pitch, but almost always 
the tone that I hit when I'm focusing up here, just starting out is always A. So it, it helped to kind of confirm that a little bit for me from my personal experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Um, but let, let's get to how you work with people. So can you give us an example of, you know, using your knowledge, using your skills, like what is it that, that you do to, to assist people with uh, sound vibrational healing? Yeah. So um, people, um, they usually lay on a massage table, fully clothed. It's, um, you know, a quiet room. And I have, um, I'm, using uh, several different uh, tuning forks. So there are other practitioners which use really, you can do different instruments. Some people use their voice, uh, singing bowls, uh, these Tibetan bowls as well. So I myself use um, <clears throat> use different tuning forks. And so you can have tuning forks, you know, based on the Fibonacci sequence. Then um, I use a lot CG, a um and i have different protocols i'm using but i also you um work uh, intuitively as well and uh, the more i work um you know it's kind of a mixture mm-hmm. i would say and so in the beginning, uh, what I um, usually do is really try to calm um, the system and really support the relaxation. I use trigger points, which support the vagus nerve. And so the vagus nerve is part of the um, parasympathetic part of the autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic service system is you know, sympatheticus, parasympatheticus on the one side, it's more activating, engaging, uh, fight, flight, so to say. The other one is more relaxation, restoration, and so on. And we need both balanced. Now, nowadays, or especially with the clients uh, I work, we have a lot of stress. So it's more that we need calming than the other way, usually. So, um, you know, just by calming the system. And often people come to a point where they, they don't really fall asleep, but they sleep, but they are in a state of a very quiet, calm state where they can still hear my voice. Um, but I think it's a very healing state in which um, they drop, so to say. And I think, you know, it's every kind of healing therapy is always just a support to self-healing, right? So we create an environment where the person can heal him or herself. And um, I think when you go into this state, it's a very, you know, it's a point, it's kind of your connection to a still point within you. And I think in this still point, you connect to different layers, from coarse to very subtle, and you can just access whatever is needed for your body to heal and for your mind. Um, having said that, uh, so one part is really to support the relaxation, so trigger points, the vagus nerve, and the vagus nerve is the one who calms us, who relaxes us. Right. And um, on the other side, I also kind of scan the whole energy field and see 
where are there, you know, disharmonies? And if I, you know, detect uh, disharmonies, um, then I go there and support harmony by bringing in specific frequencies and all the frequencies I'm using are, of course, harmonic. So they are supporting harmony. And in that, people... Um, people uh, go towards harmony and can dissolve that. Now that can be energetic, that can be mental, that can be also physical to a certain degree, <laughs> right? Especially, you know, things where, you know, there is no clear uh, um, explanation on the physical level. Sometimes it's connected to the mental and so these things may also dissolve um, through this kind of work. Yeah. And the still point idea is interesting because uh, I used to be a craniosacral therapist. And mm -hmm. one of the things that it, what I would find that they recommend, you know, helping, a, uh, helping a, a, a client actually reach a still point where there was just stillness within the craniosacral system. And I always noticed during those times, that's when they seem to do all their twitching and do all their you know, what seemed to be deeper work. So you're achieving the same thing, it sounds like, but through sound. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And this twitching is really when energy, the energy flow is supported and then there, there may be blockages somewhere. So energy, you know, breaks through these blockages and then sometimes the body moves. Yeah. Right? Well, that, that, that brings up a quick question that's slightly off topic, but I'm just curious if you have any insights into. Um, I get asked all the time, um, when people go into deeper meditative states and they will have a twitch or they'll, they'll jerk or they'll do something like that. They always tell me it's a spontaneous Kriya, but from my experience with craniosacral, I think it's just the body releasing tension or tension patterns. So number one, what are your thoughts on that? And number two, do you have any advice for people who have that as a, as something that occurs during their meditations? Mm. Um, you know, in general, we, we've, yeah, it's always good to see if, you know, physiological, the body is, is okay, you know, and, and check that with a physician yeah, if need be. Yeah. Um, but I think most of the times what you're talking about uh, now, and I also um, um, see in, in my clients with this work is, like you said, it's adjustment, it's a releasing of tension, but it can be a physical, on a physical level, it can be on a mental level, and it can be on a vibrational level, and they all go together. So um, I think, you know, this, um, we support the relaxation, so it can be released on a physical more, or going out of a physical level, but it can also, you know, when you think of energy flows, in the body, you need to think of the nadis, right? Or, uh, um, or acupuncture, you know, also works with, with, with energy flows. Um, so there can be blockages there as well. Uh -huh. And so when you, you know, you relax or you go more into the stillness and your well-being is supported, um, then it can be that this, there's, these blockages release and then there is a you know quick you know all of a sudden there's it's like when you have these water reservoirs right and you open you open them then all of a sudden there's <laughs> a lot of energy going through and that i think 
in my understanding, can make uh, the body move. Yeah. And um, I would just relax into the, the process. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, it's good to know that that is what it is. Right. Um, of course, you know, if there is any concern that it could be anything physiological, then it's it's good to uh, you know go to go to a neurologist and just double check if there's right. Yeah, and that, that's I remember Roy saying that too. Someone had asked him about that, and he would say, like you said, just try to relax a little bit more into it. You know, try try to try to just relax more. I suppose so. That's good, but yeah. Um, and so, you know, if it is something persistent, you know, something that happens repeatedly, checking with a neurologist, or I would imagine even an acupuncturist might be able to give some insights into that too. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Uh, good. Cranial and all those, you know, is, is very good. Yeah. Um, I also always check in with my clients if it's okay for them it's too much or too little because in my work, I can also, you know, kind of um, be more, more or less gentle. Right. right. So to maybe to pause a little bit, see how they are doing and then, you know. Right. Uh, right. And so um, with people, so, so people who, who are on the spiritual path, people who are practicing Kriya Yoga and so on. Um, is there, is there anything that, they can know about or do that, that you found to be helpful, um, you know, if they don't have access to you, because, you know, you're in California. So if you don't have someone who knows everything, you know, what are some tips or, or helpful insights that, that people might be able to utilize? Yeah, I think um, it's very helpful to really be aware that we are vibrational beings mm-hmm. and that we can tune ourselves. We can tune ourselves by singing by mantras, <clears throat> there was a, a little study uh, which showed, for example, that with um, just um, repeating OM, this triggers the vagus vega nerve, which is also this relaxation response and even calms the limbic system with all, you know, the emotion and where all trauma is stored. So, you know, um, it's um, sound is very, very powerful. You know, I work with people who had really severe traumas in their life and and you know it can be releasing it's um it's almost that mental things are kind of stored also on a vibrational level and when we work with music with sound with vibration we can release them resolve those uh, incoherences disharmonies um so humming yeah um, listening to high quality music Okay. It's also important that we have a really full spectrum often because sometimes when we just download the music and so it's not the full quality anymore. Right. There is a, also an interesting study in high frequency sounds, which we don't hear. So they are not okay. audible. But for example, in a jungle, there are high frequencies um, so above 20,000 hertz, which are uh, the source can be, you know, wind blowing in the leaves, uh, maybe birds and what have you. And these uh, high frequencies are now added also to uh, pop music or to normal music 
because they soothe, they're very soothing and nourishing. Mm. Wow. So they are brought back to, you know, so it's interesting that even what we don't hear is affecting us. And this is because the receptors in the skin, they are also, um, they are perceiving vibration. It's not just our ears, ears. And that's also what we feel when we are, um, you know, in a pop concert and the bus, you know, we have this loud vibration, this strong vibration. We feel it in the belly. We feel it in the whole body. Right. And um, so, yeah, and people who are more specifically interested in tuning forks, uh-huh. um, there's uh, Dr. John Beaulieu. Uh, he's uh, from New York. He's also a yogi. He is um, a sound therapist. He's kind of a little bit of a godfather in that field. He has done that for over 50 years now, I think. And he has, um, he has a company. Um, it's called Biosonics. And the website is biosonics.com. And um, you can buy very high quality tuning forks there. And so the C and G is kind of his standard. And he even uh, has videos on the website and he just, you know, you can activate them on your knee or, you know, on a apple or whatever. <laughs> and then just bringing them to your ears and listen to that. You could also use that, you know, in the beginning of your meditation, you know, bringing that in, listening to that, tuning yourself with that, and then go into the meditation, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So, sounds like listen to high quality music, but by that you mean not just on your phone, like maybe have good headphones. Yes. And also when you buy them, you know, the music, you know, how you download them. Like maybe source, a wave file, not an MP3 sure that file. that you get the highest quality yeah. as yeah. possible. And also, um, because, you know, I've, I've thought about this a lot. Uh, you know, there's a reason I think that dance and music and so on are often in sacred traditions. You know, there's a reason that that's there. And, and, and I, I personally like to encourage people to get involved in music themselves or to mm-hmm. actually listen to music. Because, again, I was thinking of it more from the standpoint of hearing melody versus rhythm, you know, and, and what that does to the, to the nervous system. And uh, as a musician, I've tried to learn how to play in different time signatures thinking that that was expanding my consciousness and so on. But I'm assuming that just if you can't do that, even just introducing yourself to that and listening to that and feeling that, that, that could also have a positive effect. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So you can passively listen or you produce yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, nobody hears you when you sing under the shower or at home, you know, you, you find a way because if you sounded your, your whole body vibrates. Right, I mean, right. it's, it might be a little bit stronger in a way than, just absorbing it but both works and the amazing thing about sound and vibration it's instantly right Uh, it's you know it's kind of a it's a medicine in a way it's sound medicine you know sometimes people talk about that which is at once the effect is is just at once there in contrast when you think of taking a medicine uh, you know um physically you know by you know eating swallowing how you know that has goes through so many processes it takes so long until you have the effect and yeah right 
What, one other quick question about that, um, because everyone likes all different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, I, I love kirtan and I love chanting, but that's not the thing that makes me feel really alive. You know, I like mm-hmm. more classic rock or jazz or, or things like that. And I remember one time, it was about seven years after I met Roy, I had actually stopped listening to all the music I did because I thought it was too too stimulating. Mm-hmm. And um, I had the opportunity to join a band and I asked him about it. And he said, well, as long as it's not too rajasic. And I thought to myself, well, it's a little rajasic. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm, I'm curious your opinion on that. Like how how does like the style does the style make a huge difference or is it specific to the person and what they really feel a, a sense of response to yeah i think it's both i think there's music which is elevating for everyone yeah. um but you can also think in these elements again you know like water air and so on um and which what what um is the music doing is it balancing something or is it is it strengthening oh yeah right so Uh. sometimes it can be nice to just support something you already are but sometimes it might be good to you know try to balance more you know other elements you may have less right so 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 you know if someone has a lot of anger listening to angry music might not necessarily be the best idea (laughs) yes and no because if you in my opinion, if you just swallow and suppress it, oh yeah, that's also not not good because it will still be there. Right. You know, sometimes in my work, you know, I, I find, you know, it's like it's this energy field is kind of denser where there's less less harmony, and you run into that, and that's things with which people, if they never express their emotions, if they, you know, if they don't can voice it, if cannot express it, or cannot you know, express their creativity, that's also um, not ideal. Right. So if you are alone and it helps you to kind of um, get into balance by, you know, being angry for a little while or kind of balance that out, that might be, might be helpful as well. Right. I see. Yeah, that's good. Good to know. Um, are you all right taking a moment to talk about OM a little bit more? Sure. Okay. So I, I, I wanted to speak to you about this with your background in, in, in neuroscience and so on. And one of the things that, that Roy would often talk about was listening to that, that, that sound, that high-pitched frequency that you hear. Mm-hmm. And he would speak of it as though that's probably the, the, nerve, the sound of the nervous system or something like that. And other people say, wasn't that tinnitus? But anyway... Um, in Sri Yukteswar, in, in the Holy Science, he puts a lot of emphasis to the pranava, to hearing Om, to absorbing yourself in Om. And to me, the Holy Science almost seems like a, a continuation of, of the Yoga Sutras. And so my question is, I, I personally don't think it matters if it is just like the sound of your, your nervous system, which leads you to Om. But is that just the sound of your nervous system that you first hear? And then are you simply going deeper into what you hear of your nervous system. So what is your experience and, and thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with, with what you are saying, you know. Um, and I think it's often, it's probably hard to, to tell for a person you, what is it really. Mm. Um, I think 
it can be it doesn't often, even matter i mean that's the yeah, other thing. it can be often you know that you hear you know the blood basically running through your system yeah however um i think you can get tuned more to the vibration of the cosmos so to say what ohm is right. and then get more sensitive for that because i think sometimes you know we we enter a temple we enter a meditation room and we kind of hear feel that vibration and i think that's kind of what really is more than ohm than our own physiology physiology right and and um you know also i think you know we all know ohm as a mantra and i don't know how many people really use that because right. You know, it's it's so well known. Yeah, everyone. Well, it's just Ohm. It's not just Ohm. It's right. it's Ohm. You know, and yeah. AOM. You know, it's also um, if I remember correctly, it's um, it's the same uh, three. Um, um, it stands also like like Shiva for uh, um, help me uh, destruction, yeah, Shiva, Vishnu, and Brahma, preparation, yeah. and exactly and yeah. and a creation, right? Right. And it was, it is kind of the, the sound, the first sound from every, every vibration, everything is emanating from that. So if we want to go deeper or, you know, more subtle, so to say, back to the absolute, you know, in our meditation or connect to that, right? Om, why not use Om, right? right? So we can, you know, in, in again, in, um, chanting om or listening to om or to this you know noise in your ear um that's where it leads us right you now right. and and manas the mind right and uh and tra from tra um tra uh, yate uh, is triate actually means to liberate so you know using that mantra to liberate us yeah right? i mean <laughs> You know, in the Yoga Sutras, they put a big emphasis on Aum being important. Yeah. And what you described about chanting Aum, how that affects, that uh, was the vagus nerve that you were talking yes, about? Yes, exactly. Yeah, the vagus nerve is so important. But also, um, when you chant Aum, you're actually doing pranayama because you're taking a deep breath in quickly. And then you're doing a long exhale, you know, so there's, I think it's very important. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And you know, it's in in the beginning. It's it's a lot is about calming the system, right. and with breathing you can calm your system. Um, you know, with uh, supporting the vagus nerve, you can um, um, calm the system, and this uh, um, humming or um, repeating uh, OM uh, actually also showed that the limbic system so the uh, calm down so the limbic system is active when uh, you know is uh, responsible for emotional processing so it's really calms our you know fear response and all that's down right right and i right. think it's it's just when we're that calm that we then we really go deep in our meditation yeah and i've always been curious about i was watching a documentary on um, sort of creation and I might have some of the details not quite right, but I think you'll get the idea. They were discussing how, um, how the energy, the light, the sound from the Big Bang is still present 
within our experience. And they were talking about, I think, um, like old televisions that had like tubes and stuff in them, that the static interference that that you see when when you turn on a channel that it, that that's like a, a leftover remnant of this this energy or this light. Now I just assumed that our nervous system is like a very sensitive uh, antenna, and mm-hmm. that it's likely possible that we can also, if we get quieter and can pay attention and can kind of refine that nervous system, maybe we also can kind of feel and hear and experience that that after effect. Does that does that make any sense to your scientific uh, mind? <laughs> Well, um, I think creation is here and now. Yeah. You know, it's always happening, you know, yeah. and, and we are in this field of energy. That's it, you know. It's, right. it's here and it's, you know, at any time. And, um, you know, we can tune to, you know, our guru lineage. We can tune to, you know, a specific deity mm-hmm. and, you know, in, and in that way, you know, be guided further, deeper, and so on. But it's like Marty says this all the time, you know, it's not anywhere out there or over there. The inf- no, it's, it's everything, right. you know? Yeah. It's everything. Yeah, that, that's, that, I, I like that. I was actually listening uh, to one philosopher, and he talked about how if you take like a, a ball of paint and you throw it against the wall, he's kind of relating this to the Big Bang, that it splatters. And the, the stuff farther out the, of the splatter is still part of the original experience, you, you know, and I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So um, we're coming close to the end of our time and you've triggered so many other things I would love to talk about, but we'll try to keep it focused. Um, is, there, is there anything you would... Um, Anything you would like to encourage people to to think about more or to include in their meditation, um, just to kind of wrap together everything that we've been talking about today? Yeah, well, simply, you know, see maybe mantra practice a little bit different. Okay. And really know what it does, Mm -hmm. that you tune to whatever you recite, Mm -hmm. and that that strengthening that quality or that in you or really connects you to that because when you start resonating means to producing the same frequency right so in that I mean it's really uh, can be become a hundred percent connection and if you're a hundred percent resonating with ohm you know I'm I think you're pretty close to <laughs> yeah or liberated yeah. or I had at least a a very deep uh, meditation. So, um, you know, seeing maybe mantra practice with new eyes. Mm -hmm. And I think if you know what it's really possible with mantras, then you have more energy. You go with a a different intention. You know, it's not just to focus the mind. It's it can be liberating, protecting for the mind, for the thinking mind. So knowing that, I think, gives much more energy and enthusiasm for mantra practice. Yeah. Yeah. And are you, are you encouraging them to, to verbalize, like actually say it out loud, or is this also with just the internal and silent repetition of the mantra? I think both works. And, yeah. you know, I, I think, you know, I, 
uh, go there with, with Freud. It, I think he always encourages people to try things out and what works best for them. Mm. You know, if you if you sound it loud, it has more physiological effect, I would say. But sometimes for me, it's helpful to internally just mentally repeat the mantra um, because it helps me to be, you know, when I'm really still already and then work with a mantra, if I would start sounding it, it would maybe bring me out of the meditation a little bit more. So, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe start loud and then go <laughs> into silence, right? Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's really been a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Uh, it was great to talk to you. And I agree we would have a lot more to talk about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, if people wanted to get in touch with you, do you have a recommended way that they could they could find you, how to work with uh, you, what classes you might have? Sure. Um, it's our our website, Marty, my website. Uh, that's uh, Watke, so our last name, W-U-T-T-K-E, and then I-P-I for infinitepotentialinstitute.com. Okay, excellent. Now, I'll put this in the, um, the comments in the description so people can find that there. So again, thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you very much for the invitation. That's great. You're welcome. All right, bye-bye. Peace. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.